The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders, and today we're going to be hearing about the state of AI in marketing. Joining me is Ali Kelly, who is the CMO at Intensify, which provides B2B organizations with the most accurate, comprehensive buyer intelligence in the market today and solutions to act on that intelligence. Yesterday, Ali and I talked about why marketing needs a data shift. And today we're going to be talking about prepping for an AI-driven landscape. Okay, here's my conversation with Ali Kelly, the CMO at Intensify. Ali, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be back. Well, I have to say we began a really good conversation. I feel like we had conversation interrupt us, if you will, in the sense of we sort of set up this idea of how marketers are wrestling with a lot of different divergent data sets. We gave some advice. We said, you should probably have some sort of underlying data model, and you should probably have some sort of underlying ability to store and refactor that data out to other applications. But what we didn't really dig into was, how is the world going to be changing with an AI-driven landscape? 2022, 2023 was sort of the beginning. It was a little bit like Al Gore inventing the internet in the mid-90s, right? It was just like, we could see this possibility, but we didn't know where things were going. So for you, Ali, opinion zone, what does an AI-driven landscape look like in 2024? 2024 is still a growing year, to put it mildly. We're so young and so early on the curve of all this technology and what it means. And while we think that AI is, this newfangled invention, it's been around and we've all been using it for quite some time. I mean, I spent half a decade or more in the localization translation space. And there was, I remember very clearly sort of the advent of Watson and all that from ABM. And that was all built on LLM at the time. And it was a similar type situation. I think what's different now is that with the introduction of technologies, primarily ChatGPT, I'm looking at you, OpenAI, they've really democratized this capability. 
They've brought a completely new perspective on how to build technologies and how to build applications in a way that we haven't been able to do before. And I think that it creates endless possibilities, but it does all really start with data. When we talk about the language models, those are data models, and it's being able to really understand what other models are out there that we need to be building or collecting or thinking about as we move forward over the next 12, 24, 36 months so that we can really scale quickly into that new world that we're not quite in yet. I don't know if you've had this experience as well, but we're all in our heads imagining the flying cars and world of robots making our breakfast when you sat in front of ChatGPT for the first time. I like to call this a cultural watershed moment. It's up there, I think, with some of the negative events that have happened, including 9-11. But we all remember that moment we sat in front and went, wow, this is amazing. And it has morphed and changed so much since that time, not necessarily the large language models, but our understanding and ability to use it. We have these new tools. And we're like, wow, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But it also feels like we're beginning to run into the limitations of the stuff we talked about yesterday, which is how our data is exposed for those large language models and how we make sure that we're, if you will, surfacing the right data. And I'll give you an example real quick, and I'll ask you to respond to this, so that when people are out there searching and looking, they're finding what they need to. Now, Google's done a decent job with BARD. It's now sort of integrated in search. We're seeing ghost data from time to time, but for the most part, it's helping in the search paradigm. But I feel like the thing we keep bumping into as marketers is, I can't take the data in my CMS and expose it fast enough so that people can interact with my brand. And right now it's chatbots. So I'm curious, are you seeing some of those same barriers that get back to flying cars? Well, gee golly, we don't have any fuel for the cars because we're unable to get that data layer out there and exposed so that we can use it. Right now, there are all sorts of chatbots and there's so many great tools that you can talk to and tell something to do. But ultimately, the best model for achieving an action or an interaction is still a click-through model. If I want to send an email, I type it up. Yeah, sure, voice to text, but ultimately then I hit send. There isn't a better way to do that yet that is completely hands-off that doesn't include clicks. The real question is, why is that? Is it because we haven't built better experiences or is it because we have trained our minds to think that that's what you have to do in order to create that experience or like execute that action? And it's probably both. I think that if we want to use new technologies to get better, different results, we probably need to think a little bit differently than we think about things now. But, you know, I think about that. I think about when I want to book a ride from the airport to my hotel, I have to open my phone and then I have to click through a bunch of screen or like scroll through a bunch of screens to find my Uber or Lyft app or whatever rideshare app I'm using. And then I have to click a bunch of buttons in order to get that. And while it's much easier than it was in the past, it's not like I could just say, tell my phone when I was still on the plane, hey, make sure there's a ride for me to go to the hotel and just have it intuitively understand that I'm coming into this airport at this time and it's going to book something for me to automatically get to where I need to go. And I think from a marketing standpoint, as marketers, that's what right now I'm looking at for in the future. How do we do that? And what's the tool that's going to allow me to do that at scale without having to maintain this very clickable human interaction that people really rely on and ultimately prefer over an AI-based chatbot or technology? 
That's really interesting. I haven't heard it put that way before, but it resonates with me. And part of the reason it resonates with me is, and as marketer to marketer here, we're constantly chasing micro conversions. And if you've ever seen a UTM table and how elaborate they can get, we're trying to measure the, in many ways, unmeasurable, even though we know it is measurable. But what we're trying to get to is this finer and finer level of measurement. And what we're doing is creating lots and lots of friction for this, if you will, data-free environment where people are able to interact with the right data at the right time. So what you're saying really at the end of the day is it's our fault on some level, right? We're living with this antiquated click-driven, love that model. But the clicking piece of this really is about the end of the day, it's exposing more and more data and sort of trusting the buyer less and less by putting more and more friction in front of them. Right. And we're forcing the buyer into a pattern that we're determining for them, not necessarily how they want to buy or how they want to interact. And does it help us from a business perspective? Maybe. Sure, in its current context. But I think that the future is completely different. And I think that that is something that we will look back on in a very short period of time and laugh when we say, oh, gosh, remember when we used to have to like try and figure out how to get UTM codes to correctly populate in Salesforce? That is something every marketer I think has struggled with at some point, which is kind of crazy because it's kind of basic. But at the same time, I think the concept of those UTM codes to track things or even whether it's a pixel or a cookie, I think that is all technology that has a very specific use in our very specific time in the space-time continuum and that it is a very short-lived thing. I think that technology will change wildly in the very immediate future. And it feels like what we're saying here on some level is that the landscape for 2024 is about better and better and better, better exposure of the data that our prospects need to get to. By the way, no easy task. There's a novel on that topic alone. How are you exposing data, et cetera? I think the other piece is we need to start thinking about the model a bit differently. And, and I, again, I love this idea of sort of the click-through model we've built around. Let's talk CMO to CMO here. How are you thinking about this in the coming year? Because you just scared me and I need a few minutes <laughs> to think about how I'm going to deal with it. Look, for me, data is exactly what drives creativity. That's how, when I think about where my creativity as a marketer comes from, it's in the data. To me, it's being able to look at the data and put it into a picture that you haven't seen before. And that to me is super exciting. So I don't think it should be scary. It should be exciting. That is one of the key things is like our mindset going into this. It has to be flexible and it has to be, we all have to be willing to go into this new territory and figure it out together, knowing that we're all going to make some mistakes and face some bumps and challenges along the way. It's hard to have a conversation about data and not talk about privacy and the implications there and how those things are all intertwined from a marketing perspective, especially, and the challenges it creates there. But I think, again, 2024 is a building year, certainly from my perspective, both in terms of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis with my team at Intensify but also for the market and what's coming to market, the tools and technologies that are coming out. It's super fun to watch it change so quickly. But for me, it's really about building that extensible and scalable foundation that we can pivot based on the needs of our business and based on the new technologies that we're seeing on a daily basis right now. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co.
Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. We're going to get back in our time machine here, but this reminds me a great deal of how a lot of, I'm going to use this term, third world countries, leapfrog Western or first world countries when it came to cell phone infrastructure and telecom networks, right? So getting back to the time machine, telecom infrastructure was about cabling and fiber optic and huge networks distributed over huge amounts of space and infrastructure. Third world countries lapped forward, right? They were like, we just need cell phone towers. And in many ways, what we're talking about here is how marketers can make that shift, if you will, sort of leaping over, again, using your terminology, that sort of click-through paradigm. And what I want to do is give you an example and have you react to this example. And this, I think, will sort of help unpack potentially what this landscape looks like this coming year. So Google has this amazing framework, which is an LLM framework that you can use to deploy on a website that will connect with a chatbot. Tried to deploy this not so long ago, and the results were not good. And I won't mention who I deployed it for because their data set was actually quite good. And I think this maybe will help us unpeel the rest of our conversation today, which is when it was deployed, the first thing was we didn't understand the intent of the visitor. So offering up the data based on what they were asking for sounds like an easy way to approach things, but quite often they were looking for something very different. So the user experience was poor. The flip side of that as well is, again, the data wasn't really there. We're mining a CMS and we're not thinking about our content management system as a repository for friction-free data for prospects. And so it was a horrible experience. The buyers were bailing. They weren't using the chat because, frankly, the other day, it was doing worse than the scripted bot that sat behind that. Do you see this as being this, if you will, back to the analogy of infrastructure changes during the change in the telecom era? Do you see those winners and losers really sort of parsing out with the ability to go, you know what, forget the infrastructure I currently have, click infrastructure, and leapfrogging forward and saying, no, I'm going to be in India. I'm going to have the best cell phone service in the world. I'm not going to worry about my telecom system. When we talk about leaps, I think where we are right now, we are still in the steps forward time. We're not at a point where we can just leap ahead and say, so in the similar way to where chat GPT was a leap from where we current, and it felt like it was overnight and it was so rapidly adopted. 
that's a great example of a leap. I think the next leap as marketers is still on the horizon. I don't think we're there yet. I think we've got a little bit of time. And by a little bit of time, I do mean a little bit of time. We don't have years to figure this out or to get on board. It'll really show up in who can adopt the technology in a meaningful and valuable way the quickest versus those that are not willing to and not willing to recognize that the data that they're collecting now or the way that they think about their customer experience is one of prescription versus one that allows us to really listen to the customer and say, yeah, we're going to give you this amazing experience that is exactly what you want and what you expect, regardless of what we want that we have built, because we're not just wanting to collect data steps along the way. And we're not forcing our process onto you. And I think when I think about as a marketer, where I personally have been successful and where other marketers I know have been successful, it is when they have a very customer first mentality, and they're able to build a customer first go to market and market experience, right? And Ultimately, that experience to date is still one that marketers are prescribing. It's not one that customers are prescribing. So when we map the customer journey, it's a journey that we're mapping based on actions that we kind of wanted those buyers to take in the first place. And it's more of like, is our hypothesis validated or not, as opposed to letting the customer dictate everything and really do everything on their terms. And ultimately, that lens and that relationship and that perspective is what's going to allow us to really change that. In order to do that effectively, we need not just more data and better data. And again, I don't think it's about more data. I think it's about the right data in context. And and you and I talked about that last time on the podcast, the importance of the context for your data at any given time, right? And just looking at your first party data is not going to give you the full context of what you need ultimately to continue to scale your efforts and successfully over time. I'm going to call up yesterday's episode as well and talk about the paradigm you put in front of a lot of folks, marketers specifically, thinking about, gee, what should I do? We use the pejorative, we call it the Frankenstack. Everybody's got one, folks, don't worry about it. And you said, look, if I can't answer a question, then I'm re-examining my data and I'm taking a look at my application stack and I'm saying, I want more. I want to be able to answer that question. That was your advice. I feel like to some degree, we're talking about the flip side of that and it's going to be consumer-led. So the consumers are going to be saying, which brands do I want to interact with that are able to create that experience? And the smart marketers are going to be the ones that talked about, actually designed things for having the right information forward, that data fabric, if you will. And that means getting super organized on our side of the world. I think the really, yes, breaking out of this idea of a click-through model is important. But I also feel like what's happening is we're not thinking about how we want to organize data as marketers for our prospects, which is great because we're spending a lot of our time going through our Frankenstock and trying to unpack what we're looking for. But I feel like what I'm hearing from you is the marketers are going to win here are the ones that sort of leap beyond that and go, what data do I need to expose going forward so that my prospects have a great buyer's journey? Yes. And it doesn't mean you're collecting every possible data signal and everything along the way and storing it forever. That is not at all what I mean. What I mean is being able to understand those actions from the data, understand what the signals are and put them together in a meaningful way. Which again, when we think about how we used to normalize data, and if you think about how the invention of the data lake came predicated by data warehouses, and before that, everything was on-prem and how that sort of evolved over time. And now you have semantic data catalogs where you don't have to have these massive volumes of data. 
and you don't have to normalize all your data. It's going to do that semantically and it's going to use the models that we've built over time in that it's able to learn from itself to essentially allow you not to have to store massive quantities of data and not to have to spend the time normalizing. When we think about that sort of evolution, it's going to continue even more so in the future. And for marketers, marketing really becomes much more of a data science role than anything else in an engineering role as much as anything else. It's not, I think, what people traditionally think of marketing. I don't think it has been for a long time, but then that theory is really challenged when I talk to different folks in the market and they sort of still ask what my ads look like. And I'm like, I think you're missing the point. (laughs) But I think it's an exciting time. And I do think that it's all still sort of being written, which makes it fun because who knows how it's going to end up. We're not talking about our Netscape browsers anymore, are we? So Our zip disk. (laughs) Our floppies. I'm curious, you have a favorite AI app right now that you like to use? Intensify. Great answer. What about for your marketing teams? So as part of having this flexible thinking mindset, my team is really challenged with adopting and testing new technologies all the time. So we are really loving right now two tools. One, I know that everyone is probably aware of, which is Jasper. I think they do a phenomenal job. One of the challenges that Intensify has is that we are a very young company. There is not a massive amount of brand equity out there in the market. And as part of that, my concern with a tool like Jasper is would it still be able to provide the value of injecting the right tone of voice into our content when we haven't fully developed that tone of voice? And actually, it's turned out like it's phenomenal for figuring out what your tone should be. And it really adapts very quickly. So I love it for that. It's also very cost effective. I'm a very cheap marketer. And the other tool that we're having great success with right now is HeyGen, which is for video production. I wouldn't say we're using it at all for external videos, but we are doing it for like internal training videos. You throw in a script and it has a pretty compelling experience. And it's super easy to do and anyone can do it. So I think when we think about the value of what AI can bring in the short term and in 2024 specifically, it's not about replacing marketers or humans. It's really about enhancing our skills and really leveraging all of this to fully experiment and test new marketing approaches and channels and theories in a way that allows us to learn from them very quickly and scale them or kill them very quickly. Great advice. Haven't heard of the video application again? Hey, Jen. Hey, Jen. Fantastic. That wraps up this CMO Gossip episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Allie Kelly from Intensify for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Allie, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at A-K-R-I-Z-Z-L-E, or visit her company website at intensify.io. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, 
B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.